that show you produced rose that's right i'm sorry about that yes you produced the uh, uh rose and, and others and many just, others i'm not just an old throwaway comic i know <laughs> i know the, if i if i sat here and did all of your credits we'd be out of time <laughs> yes but i would be interested that <laughs> all right let's play the montage back we'll do it again <laughs> uh yeah do so you were, I'm going to throw this picture out there because you, I have to say this, you were, I moved out to LA um, in like early 2015 and uh, Carl, I had known because we had worked together a bunch of times when he was back East, when he moved back East, started doing stand up again. And, um, and I become friendly with him. And then I moved out to LA and I messaged him that I was out there and he was like, have you been to the comedy store? And I was like, no, not yet. I, I, I haven't, I haven't been there yet. And he's like, okay, good. Uh, meet me there at midnight. Alan, Steven, and I will be there. Uh, and we are going to, uh, we're going to show you the comedy store. Just <laughs> like, I couldn't even believe it. And then, so th this is the end result of that is this beautiful photo that we wound up taking by the end of the night. Um, I, I had the best time with you guys. Seriously. It was, uh, I feel like if you're going to go to the comedy store, you could not have two better teachers than Carl and Alan. Well, look um, who was in that group. Brian Holtzman is out of his mind. He is, and he's he I was mean, fucking I just, hilarious. I just, you know, I can't say enough. Remind me. Well, we're on air. I will. I'll tell you a story about him. Yeah, please. I love the guy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, maybe longer. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a laugh factory in Alabama or Mississippi or somewhere where Jews aren't popular. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, come as my opening act. Right. So the other guy said, okay, you know, we, we haven't seen him, but if you know, you like him. Mm -hmm. So he comes backstage and he looks Brian in the face. He says, please, it's the South. No Elvis jokes. So it had to be wherever he's from. Yeah. And no Jesus jokes. And Brian <laughs> looks so sincere, you know, because he's nuts. Right. He walks out and he says, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. So I saw Elvis fucking Jesus, and you're not going <laughs> And the owner turns to me, and he goes, oh, Alan, you're so funny. Did you put him up to that? I went, I oh wish my I God. did. I wish I did. That's hilarious. <laughs> Wait, another time I was producing, like, a Saturday Night Live show. Right. And I love him. I said, well, why don't you come and do characters? I don't know mm. what that is. You scream. Right. You say you're a drill sergeant and didn't scream. Right. So I get there and he's sitting with, an, he must have been a late in life baby because I thought it was his <laughs> grandmother. It was his mom. And I said, right. she can't help you here. <laughs> and I didn't want to watch the audition. So when he's gone, the casting people come in and go, can we show you your friend? And they hit it. And he goes, hi, I'm Brian Holtzman. And this is the drill sergeant. And he starts screaming, then stops and goes, you know what? Fuck Alan. <laughs> and he looks right in the camera. Fuck you, Alan. Fuck this. Oh my he gets God. up and he walks out, and I went, Well, that was his anger character. 
<laughs> oh my you know, you god! You gotta love some of these guys because they're certifiable. Yeah, absolutely, and they and they shoot themselves in the foot beautifully sometimes. It's too funny. Yeah, that's fucking great, man. And Brett, who else is in that? This Brett Ernst is in that photo. And you know yes. who else was there that night and wasn't in the photo? But you, you and Carl were improvising on stage because it was um, it was Don the late Barrett. show. Don yes, Barrett. yes. You guys are improvising well, with him. Don and has been there a hundred nine years. Yeah, yeah. He's been and there forever. When he first came and tried, you know, he would do balloon blow balloons. <laughs> Wasn't quite. But here's what I like about him. I had this house with a pool. Right. And one night I hear, one morning I hear a splash, and I look and I just see two legs doing like underwater ballet. Right. And all of a sudden he pops up and goes, Good morning. <laughs> he hopped my fence to do underwater ballet. How can you not like it? <laughs> oh my God. But That's we've been great. heckling him. You know, in the old days, we used to heckle everybody. Lano, Lano. You do it now. People freak out. Oh, I know. They don't, they, they can't take it anymore. It's well, their precious. Right. We grew when we did comedy, it was a band of brothers. Now it's just a lot of soldiers. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Yeah, it does suck. It seems like it is it is less fun. Or at least at least like uh, when you when you hear about not that it's less fun, but like whenever I hear about like I watch the comedy store documentary, and those decades look like a blast compared to you know <laughs> did you like the documentary? Didn't begin to capture what it was, but no, I know. That wasn't his point. So, right. Yeah, it was all right for what it was. But we were seven days a week, 24 7. Mm -hmm. We were at each other's apartments. Argus once went on the Hollywood Squares and won a freezer full of steaks for a year. And that's how oh, we ate. Holy shit. He left shit. his door open and Ollie Joe Prater, rest his soul, we used to sneak in there and steal the steaks. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys Nobody got paid then. You didn't get paid then. Right. Yeah, that was before but, the strike, uh, right? The people she liked, liked, and mm. I was fortunate enough to be one. She, uh, when she heard I was going to go get a job, she said, uh, "Manage Westwood." Wow. So, so wait, what? So let, wait, let me backtrack here. So when you guys were starting there, were you? Did you get? I heard some of the comics used to get paid to like fix up the club and work there at the same no, time. No, 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 no. No, okay. Uh, Yakov actually was the maintenance guy for a while. Oh, then he brought in his father, who only speaks Russian. <laughs> She's a funny woman, Mitzi Sure, nobody, uh, nobody understands her because they speak a different language, right? And Yakov would have to come in to tell his father what to do. Okay, when I get there, Alan Bersky's father is the manager of the club. If you know okay. who Alan Bersky is, I do, yeah, yeah. His father, Herman, rest his soul, was one of the funniest, uh, sarcastic people you'll ever meet. One night, Willie Tyler and Lester on stage, you know, the dummy. And, yeah, yeah. And the dummy says in the mic, hey, Herman, can you turn this up? He runs across the room, plays with the dial, and he goes, how's that? And the dummy goes, a little louder. Because how's that? <laughs> He goes a little louder, and he goes, I'm talking to a dummy. And the dummy goes, so am I. <laughs> oh, my God. But it That's was a, a different time. There yeah. were no, there were better comics and great comics, but nobody had been on TV yet. You didn't have 4,000 outlets. You didn't have the internet. Right. So all you had was The Tonight Show and Merv and Mike. Yeah. 
And that's how you guys, well, that, that, that was the goal then, right? To get on one of those shows and then. And then... If, if that was your goal, my yeah. goal was to be funny. And at 30, I had like a breakdown. I didn't think I'd get it that, wow. at that point. But after that, my goal was always to be a lounge comic. My father, when he would come to Vegas, would put me in the, the big showroom. So I've seen everybody. Right. And I love the lounges. You know, I, I wanted to go on at 10 and end at 5. Yeah. And that doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't exist anymore. And so you guys... that's why I left it when friends of mine got their TV shows and wanted to know if I wanted to be involved. Nice. And when I saw what the money was, I said, I'll be there in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you wound up producing all that stuff, which is great, though, too, because at least I helped you know, develop uh, Robert Wool's Arliss on HBO and co create the show. show. The first one, not the second one. Right. And uh, I wound up exec producer of Roseanne after right. I stepped to a lot of people that hate my guts. <laughs> That's what you got to do, though, man. And you were close with Roseanne when she was starting out, right? I bought her. Well, here. I'm so you got you have a there, and I would go in early, a couple right. days early, hang with the people. Yeah, you know it was different then. We were big stars to them, right? And uh, I see Roseanne on an amateur night, and she closed with. Uh, uh, some people say I'm not feminine. Well, they can suck my dick. <laughs> And I went over to the owner and I said, I need her on my show this week. He mm. says, we don't find women funny and she's a pain in the ass. And they go, hey, I know you don't have know how to run a club, but do I say anything? <laughs> I said, I'm going to go home. He said, right. all right, he's on the show. Then we did a few gigs. I'd take her. And then Louis Anderson did. And then we talked to her into coming to L.A. And mm. uh, I had told Mitzi long before she arrived. This is the next heat wave. Oh shit! That's incredible, and that's how Roseanne got started. Because so then, you I know, there's ask some you. people you just get, right? And I'm very good at getting comics. Like Robert Wall, I can think for what he wants, right? Uh, Dice, almost everybody. But with Roseanne, it's almost just a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Robert used to walk into Arliss and go, "I need something for this football player," right? And he's driving to get to his mother, who has died. Mm -hmm. And I just look at him and go, Mama, I'm coming, Mama. And he goes, okay, <laughs> that's in. And the other writers look at us like, this, Alan's high. Yeah. <laughs> and I had explained to them, it's from Mad Mad World. It, Dick Sean did it. Dick Sean did it, yeah. And it was very funny on our list. Nice. And then, so wait, you guys lived, because I'm going to go back to the comedy store. They didn't touch the, on this really in the documentary either. That most of you guys lived in the back. There were there were there were a housing a housing structure or whatever in the back of the comedy store. When, no? when she got the store, right? You know, originally she just had the door, mm -hmm. and the original room was half its size, right? And it was a Mexican disco next door with the DJ Art LeBeau. Okay, so you'd be doing your act in here, <laughs> horrible, right? And then she bought the building and threw him out. But he still had a lease, so he threw her out. Wow. So for about seven months, the place was called The Funny Farm, and no comic would work there. Holy shit. So then she gets it. And then what was your question? No, where you got so you guys lived, because you were saying you lived off of the stage. Oh, Crestill. So when she buys the club, a house above comes with it. Nice house. Right. And uh, I always had my own place. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but I think the first wave in there might be Argus, Ollie mm -hmm. Joe, Dice, maybe one or two other guys. Mm -hmm. And then it would rotate, and over the years, it became the party house when Kinnison was, you know, the Kinnison years. Yeah, 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 of course. And but those that's guys. That's why they were there. And, you know, if they paid rent, they paid rent. She usually, by then, you were getting paid, so she made sure you get enough rent. Right. You know, she was funny that way. You know what I mean? Okay. So you never lived in. Hey, I didn't, I didn't have to work the road. Yeah. I, I work every night uh, for 25 bucks Fridays in the original room for 50 and you got half the door with five guys and it's heyday. Wow. So I used to get checks for 900 bucks. Holy shit. And yeah, do you but... remember your first paid gig? Like outside the comedy store? Yes. What was it? It was the Denver Comedy Works, which was called Basins Up. It was a jazz club across the street and upstairs. Holy shit. And I have never, I went out and headlined. I didn't do the open mics and shit. I did that locally. Oh, wow. Okay. And when I get there, it's a great hour. Mm -hmm. And it's packed. You know, it was brand new. Right. And I'm in the dressing room and the owner comes in and goes, well... I, they're going to love you. I go, well, how many we have for the next show? He goes, four. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, and the crowd you just entertained. We, we don't turn it. That's how new it was. Wow. Two shows. So it's kind of where I started to realize I didn't need, need material. Right. And I did another hour and 15 minutes. And he goes, uh, why'd you lie to me? And I go, <laughs> uh, I was just joking. Where his yeah. partner, he thought he saw right through me. He goes, ah, this guy just stands there and talks. Right, and right. Goes, but they're laughing. Yeah. You know, uh, I was staying with a comic there that was in Vietnam. Wow. Local guy. And his friend Pussycat came over. Mm -hmm. And Pussycat's a biker. And no lie, he comes into the house and on the dining room table, two guns, four knives, a little <laughs> thing in his boot. Anyway, they get drunk and wind up throwing a dryer in the basement to see who can throw it further. And they want me to do it. And I have to explain, I'm, I'm fine right now. And I'm not. <laughs> anyway, Pussycat loves me. Second show, he walks in. And he's got the Mexican sombrero on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and during my show, I go, I'd like you to meet my friend Pussycat. Mm -hmm. And I just do what I just told you, and the place is just breaking up. And all of a sudden, he goes, why are they laughing? They go, because the truth hurts, you big dummy. <laughs> but, you know, the audience would go for the ride. So Right. And at what point, so you were, that was your first paid gig. And then when did you hook up with, like, because you, Sam, Carl, you guys started the Outlaws of Comedy, right? So what, what no, year? No, 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 no. The Outlaws of Comedy was a group of guys in Texas that had Sam and Carl. Okay. And Bill Hicks, I believe. And Bill Hicks, yeah. You were, and, you you know, were... other guys that I can't remember. Uh-huh. Then he first comes to the comedy store in 1980. He was married. Okay. You know, with a little entourage still. And he was there for about a year or two and disappeared. Right. Then he comes back single. And he starts to develop the screaming thing. But he had met me two years prior. Okay. So we, you know, uh, he said the two he needed to know was Belzer and me, because mm. uh, he knew we were very honest about what we say. Right. 
whether you like it or not. Like I was the first guy banned from the comedy store because I said the word fuck. Right. And I believe it was to her. <laughs> I think she said something I heard. It went, shut the fuck up. Anyway, <laughs> not good with the owner. Anyway. Right. Um, so at some point, Sam and I aren't talking. And he starts to get hot. And it's him and Carl. Mm-hmm. We bump into each other. We party at his house. It's all fun. He says, hey, why don't you come with me and Carl? He said, but you can't talk to the audience, just material. Right. I said, well, I'll host the show because you guys don't know what day it is. Right. And right. Uh, I eventually was able to add Mitchell Walters. But before that, we had Belzer for a show. Oh, wow. A little while, Steve Kravitz, which is a great story. Okay. All right, real quick. Yeah, 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 please. He takes me in the back, Sam, and there's Stevie, because he wants to be an outlaw. And, you oh. know, uh, I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but he was doing heroin. Okay. So eventually I just said, Let, you know, here's my gun. Shoot yourself. <laughs> right. And Sam goes, geez, Alan's mean. Yeah, you can go. Goes, what are you bring <laughs> me back there for? He goes, geez, dude. He goes, he's on heroin. Anyway, first time headlining Caesar's Palace Tahoe. They give us their yacht. There's nothing they won't do for us. Right. So the first night we say, we'd like to use the pool after hours. No problem. What Mm -hmm. we don't know is they stocked the bar and we could have used it. Instead, we break into a bar up there. All right. But Kravitz jumps in the pool and Kravitz has uh, a Jewish nose. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was high, and he went to come up, and then broke his nose, and the pool's all bloody now. Oh, shit. Fantastic. Yeah. Fucking and then uh, Paulie, Paulie Shore for a while. And uh, longer than anybody was Lenny Clark. Okay. And then it just became the outlaws that started to make the money became uh, Carl Mitchell and myself. Okay. so that's what, So what year was that around? I left it in 89, so I had to start 84, 85. 84, 85. Wow. Okay. And the record Wild Thing was out, you know. Right. So we were like, a, you know, we closed with the band at one point. We, When nobody was famous, we used to rent this studio and jam. We said, whoever goes first, we'll take the band. Right. And Sam at one point said, let's take the band. <laughs> so uh, we got a real guitar player, Leslie West from Mountain, rest his soul, he just passed, a bass player, and uh, I was on drums and Carl and Sam on guitar. Wow. And we had a couple famous guys, but Leslie was with us the longest. And mm. that song hit really yeah. big. And we were traveling with two trucks with the sound and the equipment, with a bus, and it was like we were rock stars because the girls would just follow us state to state. It was really Holy insane. Really yes. Yeah. Is that when, so, because you, so then I, I didn't even realize that. So you had been at the comedy store already in, in LA and doing all that shit for I years before you went out on the road. The beginning of the end of 75. Wow. That's fucking crazy, man. So it's only who, there in her hands or there altogether three years at that point. So who was your class that you came up with? Who were the guys that you remember that, that you were there with? Well, my group was a couple guys I can't remember. Mitchell okay. Walters, who just passed away. Yeah. Got into comedy. Right. Um, Argus Hamilton, Ollie okay. Joe Crater, Mike Binder, okay. the guy who directed the yeah. video. We were seven days a week. 
I had keys to the club. I and Westwood was huge. Right. The line went about no lie four blocks and then two blocks around. Wow. And we were still seating people at two in the morning because some would go home and we'd stop serving uh, the beer and wine. That's all we could serve there. And we'd go to four o'clock in the morning with Mooney. You know, oh, we got to roll. Right. Uh, if you got pulled over. And you said, comedy store, the cop go, hey, I love comics. You know, Leno, I go, here, come see him. Right. And so he was, oh, that's fucking awesome. And you were telling me when I was there, though, but that like. The comics there. Yeah. Were, besides the big stars that would drop in, the guys that were, see, the fun was we were all equal. Some were just better. Right. But there was no big egos yet. Yeah. Uh, Dreesen, Marshall Warfield, Robin wow. eventually. David Letterman, Jay Leno, the great Elaine Boozler. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Uh, there was a girl named Emily. It was very funny. I thought there was a few women, but nobody beat uh, uh, Elaine. Wow. And uh, there's a lot of guys I'm leaving out. Lenny Schultz. Uh, uh, and if you don't know who he is, look him up. I do know who Lenny Schultz is. Yeah, he's fucking hilarious. Uh and it was just, it was a clubhouse. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes years later, they'd say I was one of Mitzi's boys. And I go, well, I get benefits. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I knocked down walls there. Wow. When, they, when she took over, the offices upstairs hadn't been open in 20 years. And at one point, when I was running Westwood, I made changes, you know, there was mm -hmm. no juice bars back then. I put juice in Westwood, and Mitzi came in and said, who gave you permission? And I go, I know the owner. <laughs> and a week later, I'm at the Sunset Store, and she's got a juice bar. And I go, how do you know I can have some kind of franchise going? <laughs> One time, she and I got in a big fight in the hallway. Yeah. And the great Harris Pete was the doorman. Mm -hmm. And somebody says to him, what are they arguing about? He goes, uh, they're not sure who owns the club. <laughs> That's fucking wild. So, uh, so you were saying Argus Hamilton, Argus Hamilton, obviously I know is he's a legend there, you know, and he's always, I met him once and he was a super, super nice guy. He's extremely uh, nice. His family were preachers. Wow. Okay. All right. So he, he I was going to say he and Sam he had that in common. Charming in two seconds. Yeah. 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 He and Sam had the preacher thing in common. Sam, he could charm a snake if he wanted to. Jesus Christ. You know, they, they grow up with that. You know, you might have a headache and be bleeding from the knife in your back, but somebody shakes your hand, you're, how are you today? <laughs> your family? Well, you go with Jesus. Right. Jesus Christ. Um, your lighting sucks or my lighting sucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's better. Look at me producing your show go ahead <laughs> i know oh. i know it's a it's a work in progress trust me um this is all fake background by the way that's not a real no i look older no no yeah, you look good fake background too a mirror in a bathroom door that's all fake <laughs> <laughs> you're out in a yurt in the desert right in a very remote location right yeah las vegas <laughs> right nobody Nobody's... knows about this place no no it's all brand new uh fuck man that's that's crazy so you were telling me uh, you had a story about Robin that you want to say uh, renting. I think it was 
was the house for Carl yeah. and Sam, and it was like right. there's only a handful of them. They're rare. It was called a birdhouse. It was on stilts and had a weird shape to it. It was about three levels, but it wasn't one of the flat ones. It was like a, a birdhouse. Mm -hmm. And he's all excited, and I walk in, and I look around, and I get, I've seen this before. They shoot porn here. <laughs> and Sam said, are you nuts? Oh. I go, I'm so bored with porn. I'm into decor. I know this house. <laughs> Which I'll tell you another story. Sandy Gallen, the big shit manager, right, made a lot of most of his money in real estate, and he had a mansion in a great neighborhood. And Roseanne was looking for one, mm -hmm. so I went with her. And it, it's I don't like when it's that glass railing and too modern, and I know she doesn't. And you know he's pushing the house like a bad realtor, and I look at her and I go, you know, I I've seen this house. Mm -hmm. They shoot porn here. <laughs> And she didn't, you know, she didn't want the house. And he always said, you know, I could have sold her that house. And he stopped renting it out for porn shoes. Right. <laughs> Who would know right. that? That's yeah, not exactly. A question on Jeopardy, but I would know in that category. Yeah, I know. That's pretty great. I'm going to have you come uh, next time I'm out in LA. <laughs> if I'm ever looking for anything. That's unbelievable. So when you were, uh, um, did you have, like you said, there was another thing you told me when I was there too, that uh, after hours at the store, like, uh, like what was it? Like uh, Willie Nelson and like those guys would just come uh, and hang uh, out. Well, first off, here's what comics don't do today. We were so close in Westwood. We would stay till four in the morning and do our acts for each other and let our friends critique us. And it was oh. not pretty. No, I can't imagine. Uh, you know, we had to learn. We couldn't watch TV and guess. You know what I mean? Right. What was your question? <laughs> I was talking about the the just the scene at the comedy store that you guys would hang out there even after hours and like oh, musicians right. like Willie Nelson like those well, guys would come. It's, it's in the Robin. documentary and I believe falsely because uh, Jennifer Pryor, Richard's last wife, called me up and said it was her <laughs> and it is her. Oh shit! But in the documentary, I think he said it was Princess Diane. Diana, yeah, believe believe me. If she came to town, you think let's go to the comedy store? Get the fuck out! Of I swear to God, I thought that was horseshit, but I was like, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, he thought it was. It looked like her, but it's Jennifer Pryor. And wow, she, there was a couple times. The time with me is Robin Williams, Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Willie Nelson's big hit is on the road again. Right. Mitch was Mit Mitzi, I think, was there. Argus Binder might have been. And I'm sitting next to Sally Field, and then there's mm -hmm. Burt Reynolds, and all of a sudden Robin goes on stage and does it like he's a preacher. And right. Then, oh, Pryor, Pryor goes up to be healed. Then they get Burt up there. <laughs> then somebody else went, and I turned to Sally and I go, I don't know what you see in this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, but it winds up when that's all done. Willie yeah. says to me, could you let me out that door? My tour bus is there and I'll be right back. So I hold the door. He comes back and he's got his, the guitar he's had forever, the beat up one. And yes, I don't do comedy, but I have to give back. And he sang for about 40 minutes. Holy shit. Chair at that guitar and serenaded the room. Wow. And you guys yeah. all just got to fucking hang out there and do it. Nobody, I, I don't. Here's, a good, that one. On. here's a good yeah. one. That just popped in. Sandra Bernhardt's on stage. Right. And I don't know what the bit was, but basically Farrah Fawcett is fucking a donkey in Mexico. 
<laughs> Lee Majors is in the audience and stands up. He goes, that's not funny. Oh, shit. And then Paul Williams, the composer actor. Yeah. Is with him. And he stands up and says, not very funny. And she says, stand up if you want to talk to me. <laughs> and they storm out. And he storms out. You know, if I was, I could show you, but it was like John Wayne. Right. You know, you had those magical nights. Yeah. Like the ugliest thing I've ever seen, before anybody knew who he was, Michael Richards uh, had props and it made no sense. Right. And a lot of comics back then would take a purse from the front row and make jokes of what they pulled out. Yeah. But they were comics. Yeah. So he's pulling it out and the woman is trying to get her purse back. Please, no, no, no. And a jar pops out, pills all over the stage, and he's stepping on them. And she goes oh. into an epileptic, epileptic fit. Holy shit. And he keeps going. So I go over to Herman and I go, turn the lights out on this fucker. <laughs> Holy. F I didn't even know that that guy tried to do stand-up until he did that thing at well, the Laugh Factory. Larry David yeah. produced Fridays, which ran for a couple years which was like Saturday Night Live. Right. Larry David knew Seinfeld. That's where they met. I think Seinfeld was, uh, not Seinfeld. Uh, Michael, Michael Richards. Richards was on right. that show. He was, yeah. And uh, that's where Larry David, so when they were looking, Larry David went, oh, I know. Yeah. He was on, the, He uh, Michael Richards was on when uh, Kaufman threw the cue cards at him, right? <laughs> Is that uh, what? Yeah. In the, in the comedy store main room, Mitzi says, uh, would you open and uh, bring out uh, Andy Kaufman? Mm -hmm. I said, sure. And Andy's a very sweet man. Yeah. He walks by me and I go, how are you, Andy? He goes, fine. How are you, Alan? I'll be in the dressing room. Just let me know. Mm -hmm. So at some point I knock on that dressing room door. What's his alter ego? Oh, um, it's... Uh Oh my God, I'm blanking on it. I'll think of it in a second. It's um. Me too. Yeah, it's a uh, fucking. Okay, Andy Kaufman is uh. Oh my God, they're gonna kill me that I can't remember this guy's fucking name. I got it. Hang on. Yeah, uh, get on the computer. See, yeah. this is where your producer should be paying attention to his show. <laughs> I know. And shout it to you. Oh God, is alter eco? No, it's not. Lotka. Tony Clifton, motherfucker. Okay. So the door swings open, and it's Tony Clifton. He goes, mm -hmm. what do you want? <laughs> and even I can't tell. It's wow. not, you know, I know it's Andy, but yeah. it looks great. In like a prom tuxedo blue. Mm -hmm. And I go over, and I go, I'm going to bring you out. And he goes, uh, tell them all to stop smoking. I'm a singer. <laughs> so I go, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Clifton would like you to please extinguish your cigarette so it won't affect his voice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Tell him again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tony Clifton waits a minute or two. I don't think they heard you. The fifth time I do it, he lights a cigarette, walks on stage, and they boom. Wow, that was the whole idea. Yeah, he's off by the third song, but he, I think, he closes with "You light up my life." <laughs> And if I made one person here tonight happy to go, get the fuck off. <laughs> well, half the audience is gone. The press is gone. And right. those paid went, who was that guy? And then Andy comes out, gentle as can be. Mm. He, he was brilliant in, on, a, on a whole different plane altogether. Yeah. 
There's probably do you see I, I it bums me out man because it feels like uh, those days I mean I'm glad they were existed but those days kind of come and gone because I don't think comics have control the way they did back then you guys like ran the fucking rooms back then well the generation before us did the same thing with nightclubs in Vegas right you know Buddy Hackett uh, Shecky Green these guys are making millions in Las Vegas yeah. You know, fifty million, uh, fifty thousand dollar contracts to work. You know, twenty weeks a year, <laughs> and plus, the, so then they can go anywhere else, and they're getting fifty, sixty, seventy G's a week. Right. You know the famous story about the fountain and Checky Green, right? No. Caesar's Palace has a big fountain in front of it. Right. And Checky can party. Mm-hmm. And he drives into the fountain in a caddy convertible. And as the cops are handcuffing him, he yells, no hot wax. <laughs> so I think it was that generation rule, too. Yeah, they did. Yeah, we lost control somehow, man. I think it was when I fucking started because. Uh, well, actually, it became homogenized. Yeah. Well, you like MTV ruined music. Right. And, oh, you know, yeah. you notice all the big stars are selling their catalogs. Yeah, man, I know. It's fucking crazy. You know, that that's, that's the other thing, too, is when I started, all I did was hear stories like that from you guys. Getting paid in coke, getting paid in a shit ton of money, being able to make a living just being a fucking middle. Like, you never had to have and, more than 20. The women, the women love the guy on stage. Yeah, yeah, those days are gone. Uh, <laughs> that fucking sucks, man. Uh, I, uh... So you also told me to oh somebody actually uh, one of the one of their guys so we have people watching by the way and they can comment live and one of the other uh people I on don't want to talk to your mother. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have her on the phone though if you wanted. I just thought a quick hello would be nice. Um they uh they said they had a the a porn star on Ginger Lynn who knew Sam. Ginger Lynn was talking about hanging there with Sam back in the 80s. Okay. Here's all I remember with her. Okay. We're headlining the Dunes, and we had broken Sinatra's record. We did 38 shows or something crazy in a matter of a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And when I came here as a kid, they did two in the morning shows, the headliners. So the help that had to work and the stars on the strip could come see the show. Right. I said this to Sam. So we're doing a two in the morning show. So it's three shows a night. You can't get in. You cannot get in. Charlie Pride was there, a lot of country stars, Paul wow. Anka. All the stars would come in, and they'd all say the same thing. How are you getting away with this? Right. And I'll tell you Paul Anka's story in a minute. Sure. But uh, we were on the cover of every magazine here for months, setting records. We were the first wave to uh, uh, be allowed to curse in Vegas mm -hmm. without being thrown out. And we started when they were losing the orchestras here. Every big show had an orchestra. And they called when we were at the MGM Grand, because by then the Dunes couldn't hold us. And they said, you can't, we're striking. You can't play music. And I go, we don't play music. We're comics. Come to the show. I said, but I won't play a tape in the beginning. Right. So everybody gathers around the mic. And we do, you know, da 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 da, -da. And I mm -hmm. went, honor of the Musicians Union of Las Vegas, there will be no music. And the audience goes. <laughs> and I go, in the beginning, the tape. And then I go, but there'll still be no music. And they boo again. And I go, well, if you think it's music, fine. <laughs> oh, my God. So that was, 
that was a fucking that was the ginger. I don't know Ginger Lynn at all. Oh, here's that. Ginger Lynn. So yeah. we have all the all they all the suites connect on the top floor. Right. And I was with somebody, but you know, a lot of stars would show up. I know Billy was there, uh, and a couple others. So the girls mm. are like lining up. Meantime, Ginger Lynn, Ginger Lynn was going through the outlaws, but I was with someone. <laughs> and maybe some of the women that were traveling with us. Right. So I yeah, I guess she knew Sam a couple weeks. All right. Okay. I don't but know. I the tell story. you how many people I bump in. Yeah, I knew Sam. All right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so what's the Paul Anka story? Because you said you were gonna get uh -huh. on that. All right, all the stars are coming in. Right. Years ago, I was talking to Paul Anka. I might have opened for him. I forget why I'm talking to him. And the guy next <laughs> to him says, No, you speak to me, not Mr. Anka. Really? Hmm. I don't want to lose the gig, but, you know, I got a file in my head. Yeah. Dan <laughs> knows the story. Mm -hmm. So I walk out and I introduce some stars and I save the last one. And I go, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Entertainment himself, the one, the only Paul Anka. And he stands up and bows. The place goes nuts. Mm -hmm. And we would close like doing that Elvis thing. Yeah. That's how all we'd line up, all of us, and do that. So he does that. So I know he's seen the show before, and I go, you know what, Paul? That's fucking ours. Sit down, you little prick. <laughs> and I come off, and Sam goes, feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Did they say anything to you after you said that? I'm on stage. It's the biggest thing in Vegas at the yeah. time. You know what I mean? We're, we're comics. The crap that was said and done, you can't do today. You just can't right. do it. No, uh, the, we wanted to change the show every time. So first mm -hmm. it was just us and Sam. Right. Then it was us, Sam, and a piano. And Sam would sit down on the piano. And at one point, his brother had passed away. Oh. And Carl would get on the mic backstage and do Liberace. Right. And there was a candelabra on the piano. And he goes, Sam, Sam. He goes, who, who, who's that? It's Liberace. Because Liberace, I'm up here with your brother, Sam. And Sam would stop and go, you queer. You better not be fucking him and just go apeshit. And the place would go nuts. And then he'd start another song. Jesus Christ. We were out of control. Right. And nobody and could stop you. It was the biggest show in town. Yeah. In fact, a couple, couple people wrote it up and said, there's a new rat pack in town. Wow. So in the beginning, it was very magical. And you guys didn't even tape shit back then, right? Like none of this is on, none of this is recorded. There's no like. Well, I think somewhere we did the felt form at Madison Square Garden. I thought that was, maybe his brother released that. I don't know. But we're not on it. That's it. He took us off of it. Okay. Well, I was going to say, uh, no, there's a lot of album stuff, but there's no video. Like I don't, I don't see a lot of video shit. There's nothing. Wow. That's fucking wild, man. It's crazy because everything now is recorded. Well, back like, then, a special meant something. They gave you half a million, 300,000. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you had to show up with a special, not in jeans with the ripped up shirt and go, yeah, yeah I have a dog. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I know, man. It's fucking, it's, it's, it's sad now. It's, a, it's upsetting. And everybody has an album. No such thing when I started. Yeah. I remember the club. I think it's the Comedy Castle in Detroit. I wanted to play there. Mm -hmm. And Mike Binder was from there. Jay Leno recommended me at that point. And Dave Pierre. So I get on the phone with him finally. 
And he goes, well, blah, 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 blah. How do I know if you're funny? Mm-hmm. Can you send me a picture? And I went, <laughs> did you want one smiling? <laughs> and he went, what? I go, so you know I'm funny, you goofy fuck. <laughs> I never played there. No, I can't. I, it's, a, it's a fun club. Tim Allen started there, didn't he? I guess. I Comedy think he started in prison. <laughs> no, yeah. seriously, I, I think that was a way to uh for him to fit in he started doing stand-up in prison i i believe that but i i thought i heard him say that oh wow i did well i mean i guess yeah i guess for the disney shit they had to clean it up and say he started at the comedy castle well he did when he got out of when he got out but i think he might have developed the uh, uh, tool guy there Mm, that makes sense i guess yeah and then, so you guys, so uh, I have to ask, because this is also like one of the fucking, I, somebody had brought up Seinfeld when we were, when I, we were hanging out or whatever. And I've never seen anybody turn on a dime as fast as you have when you were telling your uh, Seinfeld, Larry Miller, how you met the two of them. Well, for some reason, now Larry Miller, I have no problems with, never did. Mm-hmm. Very He's nice when he came. I mean, I don't think he was out of the house. Wow. He had a crush on Lois Bromfield, and I had to explain she's a lesbian. Lois, Lois said, you have to talk to him. He doesn't get it. <laughs> anyway, there was a nightclub. There was a third nightclub at one point in Newport mm-hmm. Beach. Mike Cayley ran it, and I can't remember the name. But I was the house MC, and I'm sitting in the back reading a newspaper, and I'm right next to the dressing room door where Gallagher is. He's the headliner. Okay. And two guys come back in suits. So right away, I'm thinking, do I still owe the IRS? And they walk <laughs> up to me, and they go, uh, we'd like to meet Gallagher. And I go, you don't want to do that. <laughs> well, well, why not? And I go, you don't want to meet him. Right. Well, we do want to meet him. What's your problem? And go, all right. I knock on the door. He goes, what? I go, there you go. And they get ready to walk in, and he just cracks the door, looks at him, slams it. And I go, well, you met Gallagher. <laughs> He's a so dick. I don't think he quite realized I was trying to uh, hip him to what was going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, I guess he didn't speak me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. When they thought you made, you don't want to meet him. That you. And then a few years later, I believe we might have been with the same waitress. You and, and, she, and she might have said, Jerry said he's going to be a big star. <laughs> and I go, selling pajamas with pockets in a pen, possibly. <laughs> but I know how to call them. Right. I once called, uh, who's the country comic? Uh, it was one of those guys. Foxworthy. Oh, Jeff Foxworthy, yeah. He opened for me in uh, Nashville. Mm-hmm. He said, any advice? I said, yeah, lose the hillbilly shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great fucking story about uh, Rodney uh, meeting Eddie Murphy, and basically, I'm sure you know this story, but it's fu- it's it's hilarious. Where he tells him, There's you know, so many hey, Rodney stories. I'm not yeah. sure. Well, he goes, uh, he goes, you know, the language kid. You you, you got to cut it out. You know, you're never gonna get anywhere like that. And then, like four years later, Eddie had blown up. He's on SNL. He's, uh, you know, doing 48, 28, 48 days later, whatever. 48 hours later. And then he sees Rodney at a, Eddie's at a urinal and Rodney comes up and comes to the next urinal, looks at him and goes, Hey kid, who knew? (laughs) No, that's true. You know, their generation, like one time I met uh, Don Rickles, 
when I was young and mm -hmm. Marty Allen. And I had a mustache with Marty Allen. He goes, you can't do comedy with that. <laughs> and uh, they had their set of rules. For them, it was a suit and tie. You had to be clean. You didn't talk to the audience, even though Buddy did and, and Lenny Bruce. But uh, uh, I was at Buddy Hackett's house. Mm -hmm. And he, once he warmed up, he said, come on in the den. The den, by the way, is the size of two two apartments. <laughs> Out seats 50. It's one of those. Right. And I sit down. He goes, anything you want to ask me? I go, well, people say I'm, I'm dirty. And, you know, he can handle language, buddy. He yeah. goes, does he get a laugh? I went, yeah. He goes, fuck them. <laughs> he says, so what do you do? I go, I talk to the audience. He goes, no, can't do that. Can't do that. What if they don't want to talk back? Mm. And I said, well, I have a ton of material to fall back on. And in the beginning, I used to do like 20, 30 minutes of material, then 20, 30 minutes with the audience. Then right. it just became all the audience. But they were they, they had their rules. Right. Just like when uh, Comedy Central started and this comedy boom started, we had our rules. Like I remember John Mulrooney opened for me in a 400-seat lounge in Tahoe. Wow. And his first show, he's in jeans smoking a cigarette with beer. So right. I nicely took him up to the room and said, you got to do me a favor. At least put on a sports coat, no smoking, and no booze. Mm -hmm. They're here. They're paying real money. This is a casino. This ain't yo-yos. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And he was very respectful, and I think he took that to heart. Right. He's a good guy. Good guy. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. It's like every generation of comics has their thing that they use to quantify how they made money. So, of course, they're going to try to pass that on to the next one, but it doesn't always apply. Well, it's also the rules they had in their time. You could not curse. Right. In their time, if the mob said you're only getting a grand, you're only getting a grand. Right. But how do you guys uh, wrestle with that kind of thing, though? Because in Vegas, you could yeah. not curse whatsoever. Prior was thrown out of there at one point, I believe. Uh, it'll come to me. Uh, but you Carlin? had to be Carlin. Yes. Yeah. You, you had to be uh, follow their rules, or you didn't work. Right. Well, that was there, cool. there, they could blackball you, and because there weren't a million places. Right. You know, some people. You know, Kipadada. Oh, of course. Kipadada calls me. I'm in Illinois in the middle of nowhere and it's over. I go, what's over? He goes, comedy. Wow. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, the guy's pumping my gas. He goes, are you Kipadonna? And I think he wants an autograph. And he says to me, I'm at the bowling alley tonight. You ought to come see me. It's over, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That's too good. Uh, all right. I got to ask. Can you tell a prior story? Yeah, please. All the prior stories. For whatever reason, Pryor's at my tiny apartment. Mm. And a young black couple live upstairs. And I'm quite noisy most of the time because it's yeah. tiny and it's 10 guys in there that are crazy. But it's just me and Richard. Okay. And you can hear what's going on through the old vent. Mm -hmm. You know, the old woman before that said I played bongos. And I said to the landlord, that's a word from the 60s. She's out of her mind. And I continued to play my bongos. <laughs> So anyway, we hear him say, and he's mean, mm -hmm. you go down there and tell that white boy to shut it. So as she's coming down the steps, Richard says, go in the other room. Mm -hmm. He opens the door and he goes, yes. 
and there's no words coming out of her mouth. He goes, leave my buddy alone. <laughs> oh, she goes upstairs. We go by the vet, and you hear him go, Richard's Pryor's down in that shit apartment with that <laughs> idiot. He comes storming down, and Richard comes in the room. He goes, go answer the door. Wow. And I open the door, and he's, like, trying to look over my shoulder. He goes, is there something wrong with you? <laughs> no. I go, then leave me alone. <laughs> Oh my God! Did you hang? Did you get to hang out with Richard a lot? Mooney brought him to the club one night, and when I was done, I went to the top of the stairs to the belly room, and he mm. said, "Someone wants to meet you," and it was Richard. Wow. And Mitchell, you know, it was great about him working out. You could approach him and go, "You know, I have an idea for you. Did you try this?" Right. And uh, you know, we did some of the burn jokes in that concert one, Mitchell. Oh yeah. I, and uh, yeah, he was fun. That's cool. In class. He, he was class. Even if he didn't get a drink from a waitress, if nine were working, he'd give them each a hundred before he left. Wow. And he would come in with no material. They'd yell, do this. And he goes, I did it. Right. He'd talk for two minutes. Next night, three minutes, five minutes. By the end of the month, he had a solid 20. He had the next month, and then boom, concerts him. Wow. Oh, I saw him do some scary shit, too. There's the one. Uh, were you there when they said that there was a? Um, they were talking about him doing a, a thing about God's kid coming back, or no, yeah, God coming I, back. I also saw this one. Which one? He's on for a couple of minutes. He goes, "So I'm sucking this guy's dick," and it goes dead silence. He goes, "Too real." <laughs> and he never did anything again after that. Wow. They didn't want Pryor going there. Right. That's fucking crazy. You guys used to, so we were talking about giving him material and stuff like that, or like helping him out with bits. That was another thing I noticed that your generation and the kind of the generation after you a little bit too would help each other out with jokes and with bits. Like I was talking to uh, John Mendoza mm -hmm. and he was saying that, you know, you, that's like, you may not have all liked each other, but you respected the act. Well, and you would Mendoza's give each other later on. Mendoza's later on. Okay. And he's an improv guy. Okay. Whole different vibe, whole different scene. Right. Um, but he's right. Uh, like George Wallace called me up when the riots were going on. Yeah. And I was doing a joke that clearly he would kill with. And he said, you got anything? He was doing the Tonight Show the next night. And I go, here, here. You're going to have to wait for the applause to stop. And he did. <laughs> wow. And, you know, I could do it. it it's. With me, it was, I guess now it'd really be racist. But it was right. basically, you know, I take a beating for $50 million. And I talk like I was ill and they go, I think I take my four four. They go, believe me, they can hear me. I got 50 million. That's fucking Something great. Like that. The, you know, the cool thing too is that I liked uh, what, I mean, there was more that I wanted from that that documentary, by the way, uh, the comedy story well, one, but I liked it for what real, it was. Not, it wasn't Ken Burns. It was a nice right. love letter. Yeah, uh, it was a love a, letter. There's another one that Argus and I, there's a two-hour E! True Hollywood story, I think, Argus and I did maybe really 20 years ago. Shit. Uh, uh, one of the comics, a guy named Jamie Klein, had become an executive over there, and I called him up. You know, E! True Hollywood story meant they're coming for you. And he <laughs> said, Alan, you do whatever you want. I'm going to give you another hour, and you can make it a, a love song, and that's what we did. 
Nice. Well, the cool thing was, is like seeing the comedy store through the decades like that, too. And I've got like I've said, I've got a, a few books on all that stuff. But what was cool was was seeing like, especially because we're in COVID, was that it was like, uh, you know, oh, comedy's booming. Comedy's dead. Comedy's booming. Comedy's dead. like because people were worried that COVID would well, ruin it again. Comedy's going into another change. A good you one. Know, it became TV a lot. Nightclubs a lot. To me, nightclubs are going to be vaudeville. They're going to crash and burn, and they did. Right. And, you know, some guys stayed on the road forever. They made nice money, but, you know, now they're banging their heads. Yeah. And it was a, a, a new wave. Then came the internet, another wave. Yeah. But now, with podcasts, with getting it, they, everybody has a show. They put their specials up on here that, you know, they shoot in the club. Yeah. Special. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, it's struggling because to me right now, there is no prior Eddie Murphy, Buddy no. Hackett. There is not. But what about the club scene? Do you think after, do you think it's going to, me personally, I think after COVID people are going to be aching to go back out. A lot of people think it's going to change and die. Store, they built seven or nine new hotels between Vine and Doheny. They will wow. be packed. They knocked okay. down the house of blues and put another hotel there. They will be packed. Wow. Well, then good. That's what I'm hoping, man, because that's what that that's what the cool thing about that documentary was. It was like every time they thought it was dead, it came back. Well, that property's worth a lot. You got to hope the kids don't sell it. Right. Dude, I know. Well, they were having trouble for a while, right? They were trying to fucking figure out. They struggled for a few years and then the stars started to come back. The stars of the day. Yeah, right. Uh, That's when I think when I got there in 2015, it was already it was already its own machine because when I was there. Mark Marin was there. Chappelle was there that night. Bill Burr was on stage. You and Carl were hanging out, uh, doing sets. Uh, oh, uh, Brody Stevens was you there. Know, when I was there, in the alley in the back is where we used to hide the smoke pot. It's a lounge. <laughs> I know. Now they have something on top of the roof. You know what we called that? What? Quiet. Her office is underneath. <laughs> Holy shit. That's crazy. Did you did you guys? Um, we were talking a little bit about. So you went and did Roseanne, right? Like you, like that's when you. So you were you well, out and doing? First came Arliss. Arliss came first, and then Roseanne came. And then about maybe after the first season, I went over to Roseanne on the lowest level you can go over, which I was more than happy because that's still crazy money. Yeah. And I enjoyed it and worked my way up and stayed there. And then uh, at some point, I think maybe this third season, I went to Arliss and Roseanne at the same time. Wow. So but I worked that, seven days a week on the weekends. You were, Robert Wall. So you were done doing stand up by then? Well, the money was so insane. Why would I travel? Right. But you, you didn't. I, miss I the, made a mistake because now I, I'd be able to travel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I mean, like you, you didn't miss the you didn't miss the comedy, you didn't miss the the hang or anything. In the beginning, I did, but it's such a creative uh, high to write something and then watch it work in front of a live audience and then millions. Right, right. I mean, you know, and we had to do twenty six shows, not this six or ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did twenty six every year, and that's yeah, and, that's and I was doing uh, eight to twelve over at Arliss. It was insane. Right. But the money was very nice. 
Did you uh, did you like? I mean, obviously Roseanne got fucked over with that uh, the reboot thing. But did you um, did you like the beginning of it? Because you, you know all these shows like they're doing their reboots, right? All the comedy. Beginning ones. of the reboot. Yeah, the beginning of the reboot. When well, she here's was something still- no one knows, and I, I don't like the guy who runs it. So obviously, he doesn't like me. Right, right. But I got that script before they shot it, and I made some changes. Nice. There was too much going on. I still think there's too much going on. They introduced a hundred new characters, yeah. but it's off the power of her fans. Yes. It wasn't the show. They wanted Roseanne back. And unfortunately, these guys actually said to her, they want quick jokes and out. Roseanne had depth. Yeah. If, 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 if we took a topic, we did it the serious side of it and then lightened it. Yeah. They're in and out, and they told her that's how it got to be. Uh, you know, it's a different kind of writer. I know they it have is. some old Roseanne writers there, but for me, nah. No, I know what you mean. Like, by the way, it's like a one point one or something, and they go our hit show. I think they uh, keep you on the spider. Yeah, absolutely. I bet they won't try married right. with children anytime We're soon. We're working on a couple projects. That's cool. Great talent cannot be taken down. No, exactly. And that's the thing though, like that was one of the only reboots of a of an of a of a comedy show from a comic that seemed to work when she was there. Now it fucking sucks. But also like how could you write like for a show, not you, I mean like now, like there's no good sitcoms because nobody has any experience. You know what I mean? There's no situation well, comedy because that's true. They'll get young writers or what a lot of showrunners do. Yeah. They they can't make decisions or find themselves funny. They travel with three to five guys from show to show. There's mm-hmm. five guys that follow Cat Kevin Abbott around for the last twenty some years. They're all very wealthy from him, right? And uh, also, a lot of people—not those particular guys—but a lot of people. When I was there, I was surprised because there were so many writers that some didn't know how to write, some didn't care to participate. You know, nobody checks your homework, and and I felt re, re, better when Norm McDonald did this on a show. But when you're working with the college guys, they resent the fact you're naturally funny. Yeah, of course. So their noses are up in the air, and I stepped on every damn one of them. Because they, <laughs> you know why? Because they paid to be. You know what I mean? Like they're like they, they don't I, I understand. Have a grown it. woman, a grown woman. I said uh, DJ, and they go, he can't act. I go, that's not your job. Right. I want to give him more lines. He's maturing. I want a nice scene with him and Dan. Yeah. Uh, and maybe he steals a stop sign and I look up and she's going, la, 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 la. I go, what the fuck is your problem? Right. I can't condone stealing. I go, have you ever read the Bible for this show? They accidentally got a washing machine delivered and kept it. That's stealing. <laughs> it's also called the blue collar world. <laughs> Fucking lucky. Yeah. So I personally wrote the scene. Nice. And I never say he stole the stop sign. He said, where'd you get it? Uh, in the junkyard. And I had uh, John Goodman do the old joke. Well, I used to go there and get it and take my friend. He go, why? He goes to those dogs. All you have to do is be faster than your friend. Yeah. And they had a nice little scene that continued. I remember that. I remember that episode. Those were those were good shows, man. They had de- they did have depth back then, and they don't really have that. Like you can't, you know. I mean, there's Big Bang well, and there's Arliss, all those other shows. If you watch the first two or three seasons of Arliss, The tone changes when I get there. It gets more. Uh, let me just say, anytime I wrote an episode, HBO was concerned. 
Holy shit. That's fucking wild. And it's cable. Yeah. Who brings it down from cable? Well, now they've got uh, Game of Thrones and uh, Bill Maher and all that other shit on there, too. So it's, you know, they seem to be doing all right. They have you to thank. You guys, you guys, that's the coolest thing about HBO, man, is that I feel like they're still kind of doing whatever they want. I hate to interrupt you, but Chris Albrecht, who became president and then CEO. Yeah. Uh, either managed or 10 bar at the improv in New York. That's how he knew all the comics. That's why really? they were getting specials. Wow. I did see. I didn't know that at all. Oh yeah. What happened to him? Is he still around? Uh, he left HBO to run stars. Oh. Then went to maybe his own company, whatever he's doing. He's always successful. He's right. very good at what he does. It's amazing to me how all of, like, everybody from comedians, producers, all that other shit, you're all kind of linked together from that era. You know what I mean? Like, bartender, well, like... They're starting to pass away now. Well, but, I want to bring that uh, up. <laughs> I, I will tell you this. Like, Carl called me one night. He said, I'm going on at the Ventura Club. Want to drive? I'll give you some of my time. So we get there, and about five, six guys have been on. Mm-hmm. You know, the audience has got a smile on their face. I go on in about 34 minutes. They start to stand up and I go, oh, I forgot my friends here. You have to sit down. Who'll do this? And then he goes up. And I have a kid I mentored uh, named Daniel. He was about 22 at the Mm -hmm. time. And when I get done, he's crying. I go, you okay? He goes, I've only seen you do five minutes. What the hell was that? I go, watch Carl like we did. And Carl bought the roof down. The manager runs over and goes, where are you guys been? I go, the owner doesn't find us funny. Have a nice night. Wow. That's fucking crazy. But the so tone we- changed. Five or six comics, nobody nobody bought them to a, a, a climax in any way. Right. I can go on stage now in a club and, uh, and somebody will go, well, that was different. Of course it was. I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. Yeah, there's a drastic change between you, know, you guys. You have to follow Steve Martin, Billy Crystal, Rodney. Right. It's not a good feeling till you learn the tricks, and the tricks are to be dismissive. Who was the Who was the hardest comic you were uh, you followed? Prior, but I learned how to defuse. Wow. It. Okay. I would go I... on stage and go, Richard, you still in the room? He go, Yeah. I go, Bring the car around. <laughs> You learn to diffuse it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one night there was five of them. I listed all five and I kept making them applaud. Nice. And finally I went to see one of them. You'd have to pay big money. You just saw five. So stop fucking staring at me. <laughs> was You said Steve Martin. Was Steve Martin in there a lot? He didn't do clubs very often, did he? Oh, I think that's how he started. I think he was, I want to say either partners with, Martin Mall, maybe, or somewhere in there was Gary Muldeer. They were doing comedy before comedy. They were writers right. from the Smothers Brothers, but yeah. they find these little, I guess, coffee houses. Yes, yeah. But they weren't at the comedy store, were they? Billy Crystal. Steve was um, once or twice, I believe. Billy Crystal, Rodney, Robin, Pryor. Oh, Carson used to come in a lot. And there was uh, a... Uh, a Sam, you said there was a, a Sam Kinison and Robin story too, by the way, that you wanted me to uh, remind you about. Oh, that was the house. The house thing. But you said that something about Robin uh, stopped doing characters and you knew why? Oh, 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 oh. That has nothing to do with Sam. Oh, okay. Uh, before Robin was Mark, 
Yeah. And I believe he got Mark because John Biner got sick. Really? I think that's, that's how it goes. But uh, before he got Mark, George Slaughter, who had produced Laughing, which is long before Saturday Night Live, but very successful in the 60s, yep. tried to bring it back. Yeah. Argus was on it, and, or a writer, a lot of the comics. And Robin, and he used mm -hmm. to do characters. When the show ended, he didn't realize the contract said the characters are owned by George Slaughter. No fucking way. Or, or the network that aired it. So he stopped doing the Russian and the Shakespearean guy, and he bastardized some of it, and he came be even more uh, free. Wow. I did not. I never knew that. Probably nobody does. That's fucking crazy. I know shit. I know you do. You know way more than I'm even asking, and I'm trying to. <laughs> so wait, I'm, I'm getting to this list, man, because you said you got a story about Dick Sean, too. Okay. I am not funny. Never was funny as a kid. <laughs> You know, I'm the guy in the corner with the soldiers. You can walk away for a couple hours. Right, right. But I'm nine, and there is a – Lakewood, New Jersey was a resort. Yeah. And we go there, and it's like a Vegas showroom. And I'm sitting there with my parents, you know, my little suit. Mm -hmm. And Nick Sean's on stage, and I'm fascinated by him because in those days it was mother-in-law jokes. Mm -hmm. He's very physical. Right. And all of a sudden he says the word shit, and we lock eyes. <laughs> and he goes, how old are you? I go nine and he looks at my parents who are quite young themselves. Right. But bottom line, he complimented them for being so open-minded mm -hmm. and it took the uncomfortableness out of the room. Mm -hmm. Cut to, I think I'm in my forties right, or late thirties and I'm on stage in Denver and it's now stadium seating. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, I'm very free with my language. Fucking shit are my favorite words. Right. But I don't tell dirty jokes, so I can't be clean. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing that. And I look up and I lock horns with two kids that are younger than nine. Right. And I go, are you understanding anything I'm saying? And the one kid starts to laugh. I go, so you are. <laughs> and the audience goes dead silent. And I go, where are your parents? And I talk to them for a minute. And I go, you know what? I want to compliment you for being so open-minded. It's just words. Mm -hmm. And as I turn, I turn back and I say to the seven-year-old, I'm in town a week, you know, any chicks? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I opened for Dave Coulier. Yeah. I haven't seen him in years. So the guy who did it knew I was in town and said, just come do it for a show. He'll go crazy. Mm -hmm. So I walk in, he goes, you don't still do what you used to do. I'm going to open up with a con show. Come on. <laughs> so he's a little nervous everything's fine at the end of the show i have this joke where i say dick mm -hmm. well i said penis and you know it's dave Coulier, so there's some kids in the front row right and i look right at one of them and i go boy did i clean the shit out of that kid <laughs> place went nuts you know That's... one night there was nuns in the front and they said you can't say the f word and it truly slipped out because i've been saying it since i'm five <laughs> and I said to the nuns, oh, I'm sorry. Then I made the joke, you know, but you got to forgive me, right? Right. And they laughed. And uh, when it was over, they went over to the owner and said, this guy's so funny. And he said to me, I was going to kill you. I thought they would get up and walk out. I go, there's a way to get to everybody. There's a great HBO special I think is going to be released soon uh, where Buddy Hackett's on stage in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And the woman is offended by his language. And I wish I could do this better, but he basically starts talking to her. And 
she's answering and answering and answering, and eventually he goes, so you don't like me. And, uh, you really want to tell me to fuck off? She goes, yeah, fuck off. He goes, don't you curse at me, lady. <laughs> but he brilliantly, and I'm not, it might not even been fuck off. It might be, you know, shit, whatever it was. Right. Brilliantly set her up to be an ass. <laughs> Rather than say, don't heckle me or be mean. Right. He made it a few minute bit where he yeah. turns her and she doesn't realize it. That's the best fucking thing to see. It's like well, magic. This is, this is why you have to watch some of these guys, young comics. Comedy is not, I used to say it's done with mirrors like magicians, but mm -hmm. comedy, you, once you learn the tricks, yeah, like Louis Anderson, when I first played Vegas, he said, your name's 40 foot tall on the strip and don't let them see you sweat. Have a good night. <laughs> and as long as you look like you're confident, yeah, the lions will calm down. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to let them know you're going to be able to fly the plane. And then it doesn't matter whether you're heading toward a mountain. You're like, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Well, you want them to go for the ride. Yeah. Uh, for the longest time, I used to close my show after about an hour or whatever it was. And I remembered everybody I talked to, their name and what they did. Mm -hmm. And I'd run them into one story and they go, he's drunk and high. How does he do that? Yeah. But on gotta, stage, I'm totally in control. Of course. That's my favorite thing is when people come off stage and be like, oh, you you kind of almost lost. And it's like, no, oh, you're in control all the time when you're up there. If you think I did and I still brought it home, that just makes me feel great. I, my I, I got on stage. I opened for Robert Wall. Mm -hmm. and in the middle of my act, the guy says he works for Discover Card. And I go, they're getting ready to close my card. Give me three more months. <laughs> I go, what's your name? He tells me, what's your last name? I go, seriously, get your pen out. Mm -hmm. And I spent about 10 minutes going over the what he needed. Right. Gave him my card, and I go, you're near the computer, make it happen. And he <laughs> did. And I went back to my show. Oh, shit. There's a, my friend uh, opened for Dave Coulier, and she was a uh, young, young comic at the time or whatever. But she calls me and she's like, you're never going to believe this. I, I, she's like, I slept with fucking Uncle Joey last night. I slept with Dave Coulier. So I'm like, are you going to, you said you got one more show with him? She goes, yeah, I got one more show with him. I said, you're going to sleep with him again? She goes, yeah, I'm probably going to sleep with him again. I go, all right, do me a favor. I go right before you're about to come. Just go cut it out. And she was like, you mother fucker. I will not be able to not think of that. <laughs> I was like he was, he was Mike Binder's roommate. Mitchell and I lived in the same building, so did Daver Copperfield. Right. And uh, uh, Couillere used to fly over the apartment building. He's been flying since he's young. Wow. In fact, he flew into Vegas when he did the show. Holy shit. See, I didn't know that. See, how did the, the fucking, how did Tom, Bob Saget wound up, was he really under contract that he could not do stand-up while he was on Full House? Have you seen his stand-up? I have, yeah. I believe that story. Okay. <laughs> that's, By the that's way, I had a big fight with him at Mitzi's memorial. Why? What happened? Well, I didn't feel it's the way it should have been done. Okay. But I'm sitting with Marty Colner, a very big director of comedy and right. videos. You know, he did ours back when we were the outlaws. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, Whitney Cummings blocks him. And says, oh, I love you. The way you directed my special. And I'm going, oh, I see how this chick gets ahead. Anyway, <laughs> like, I'm not there. Like, I'm not there. And then she says, I better go backstage. I'm sure they're going to want me to speak. Right. Yeah, nobody wanted her. <laughs> but I wasn't going to drink. And I had a drink because I wasn't, you know, I didn't know the cancer was messing with my brain. So I'd kill anybody. Right. I said, I better go backstage before I hurt somebody.
Mm-hmm. And then I had another thing going with another comedian that I won't talk about, but someone who met well said, why don't you fix it? And I said, why don't you go fuck yourself? <laughs> and, you know, the manager wasn't nice to Argus, and I got involved in that. But long story short, I'm six cocktails in, and I'm sitting in the chair, and I'm going to uh, – Blake Clark's on next, and then oh. me. And they've played with the lineup. And right. here comes Waggett, and he's tall, and I'm in a chair, and he goes, yeah, I'm going on next. Thank you. Can you take me, you fuck? <laughs> you went, what? I go, Blake, unless you served your country, Blake is going on next. Right. Alan, what are you being like this for? Hey, what are you, prior? Shut the fuck up. Right. Well, Alan, I go, don't make me get out of this fucking chair. And Blake starts rocking on the wall because Blake will not let me get hurt. Right. And I bring out Blake, and he said, well, then bring out Saget. And I brought out Louie. <laughs> But you know, don't don't bring your you know. You st- I was there when you started. Don't come play celebrity with me. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, I feel I like mean? that shit doesn't work at the store. Well, if it was prior, right. you know, someone that is a comedy legend, uh, uh, not a guy who did well on TV shows. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking crazy, man. Couple cocktails, a little cancer, yeah. crazy. So how? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you next, too, man. Because we, how are you doing? Are you doing all right? Um, I'll know for sure in April. The in April, supposed to be okay, even though it hurts a little bit lately. Right, and my bladder is uh, aggressive, but not there when they looked three months ago. Wow. Okay. So technically, I'm cancer free. That's and it, it, that's good, man. I'm glad. I'm really happy Third to hear time. that. Third yeah. time. Third fucking time, man. I'm going piece by piece. Yeah, they're not going to take that fucking hat though. That's for shit sure. Let me tell you what I do to these guys. Uh huh. It's all catheters. So I had a little sticker made, you know, like, you know, uh, with the X, know this. Yeah. You know that sign? Mm-hmm. And I attached it to my penis. <laughs> I'm already out. Yeah. Do jokes, well, it so. doesn't matter. That's fine. And you and Carl wound up going through it at the same time, though, this time, right? Yeah. Which Carl above. It's kind of nice. But, you know, if anything could be nice about cancer. I was but just about Carl, to say, I guess. Carl, Carl, uh, he's really got it. He's really got it. And he's not he's not doing too good. Um, not that I, I mean, if you don't want to talk, we don't have to he's talk. He's doing about good for where he's at. Right. All right. That's good. Yeah, I, I was uh, fucking stunned to hear that, man. And it was so weird, too, because I had, I had, you know, written that thing that you that you'd shared or whatever, like without even realizing because it just came up, man. It was just like I just thought about it. The photo popped up. Good memories. And then somebody was like Alan and Carl are uh, like in a bad way. So that was Well, just... all depends on how you look at things. That's <laughs> yeah, that's true, man. Well, um, I don't want to take a tell you you don't want to meet a girl and open with it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Well, you know what? If anybody could do it, you could. They <laughs> <laughs> have to tell you the truth. Did it but work? The first cancer was thyroid, and I'm in bed with this girl, and the, my airway gets blocked. Yeah, I don't know anything's wrong yet, but I turn blue on the floor. Jesus. I'm able to catch my breath, and I stand up. She goes, "Should I call an ambulance?" I go, "Where was I?" <laughs> let me ask you this what's the cutoff age for a make-a-wish can you still get it because <laughs> <laughs> no, i don't know but we've been taking like carl one of his friends took us all to the uh casino on the strip for the weekend and oh. paid for everything and that tired him out then yeah. he went to 
surprise a friend and drove to LA with another friend of ours. And I drove him back the next day, but the traffic took seven hours and wow. that tired him out. Damn. But uh, we're going to try to go fishing this weekend. Good. Uh, Brad Garrett is taller than anybody knows. Yes. Yeah. A, a mensch, a true great man. Wow. He has helped immensely. Got him a, uh, a chair he's comfortable in that lifts him and stuff. And he couldn't wow. have been nicer. Uh, God bless that guy. That's good to hear, man. That's really good to hear. He's a, I, I was hoping he was a nice guy. Beyond. He's one of those guys that you like. And then you're like, you know, here's you a great Brad Garrett story. Yeah, please. Sinatra's going to roast Tommy Lasorda in Tahoe. Mm -hmm. Angie Dickinson, Steve Garvey, a bunch of sports guys, Pat Cooper. I don't know who else. Jilly. Wow. You know who that was? Sinatra's friend. Yeah. So uh, I say to Pat Cooper before the show, what do you think of this joke? Uh, Tommy Lasorda has a spaghetti sauce out now and a diet drink. Well, Sinatra has Sinatra sauce out now. And I mm. hear he has a diet drink coming where you disappear altogether. <laughs> and Pat Cooper goes, do you know Frank? I go, no, he goes, he'll kill you. Frank's drunk. <laughs> he can't get through his speech. They get him off stage after about 15 uncomfortable minutes, and his right. head is in soup. But they start the show. Mm -hmm. And Brad Garrett comes out. Everybody's in a tux with Jilly. He's in a suit. In the middle of talking, he turns to Jilly and goes, nice suit, Jilly. Almost covers the gun. <laughs> I love that guy. That's fucking hilarious. Did you uh, do you talk? Have you do you are you friendly with Pat Cooper? Because I heard he's uh, with some woman now who's bleeding him dry, like financially. Bleed. <laughs> I don't know. That's just what I heard, dude. I was supposed to go out there for. Uh, but at his age, he should be happy about it. Yeah, that's what I. That's I don't think I'm he gets along with his family or kids. What's he? He doesn't. Do he doesn't, what's man. What's he gonna do with it? Exactly. And that's what I fucking said, too. We were supposed to go out there. I was supposed to do his um, I think they were having some kind of 90th birthday bash or whatever the hell it was right out in Vegas. And then, uh, you know, they canceled it for whatever, because I bet I, I imagine he's 90. Yeah. And I'm and I also imagine he was like, what the fuck do I want to see? Because he's with but they were they blamed it on the on the woman that he was with. And they were like, oh, he's controlling his money. And I was like, he's 90 and she's. Smoking fucking hot and giving him attention. What does he give a shit? I have a funny feeling. If he's still the personality of Pat Cooper, she deserves the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That's great, man. Well, listen, we've been on for an hour and 20, and I've kept you 20 minutes longer than I said I was going to. So I don't Well, wanna... I didn't want to reveal this, but I peed already. Oh, you did? Oh, then we'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine by me. No, well, seriously it was though. Fun. I wish yeah. you luck with your career. Is your Thank producer you. back yet? Uh Tom, Tom, where are you, Tom? Are you there? Come or out and say hi. Me? No, he's gotta be here. Tom is here. There I've been he here is. the whole time. How he's been are here you, the whole time? Tom, it was nice meeting you. I Such appreciate how quick you are with your answers from the computer to the headset. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you'd taken an Andy Kaufman turn. I didn't see it happening. I apologize for that. Well, I fly a plane that just doesn't go straight anyway. <laughs> that was that was a fucking blast, dude. You got a million. I, I feel like I haven't even tapped the well of all of Alex's stories. So I'm I'm gonna have to have you back on. I, I didn't even get the annoying Barbara Streisand. Oh, oh. well, we uh, fit her in. Great story. Huh? <laughs> Said fit her in. Well, we got. Well, do you want to oh, do want to do a round gone? two? 
Yeah, All we're right. still on. We go to sell the Roseanne talk show at a big convention, and uh, she's with Brolin. There, it was her boyfriend then. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take a private jet. Can they fly with us? Duh, of course. Yeah, she can't handle turbulence. Neither can I. And they know Roseanne. They don't know me. And he's a very nice man. And the calm barber down. He stands up, braces himself, and says why it's no need to be nervous and what turbulence is. Mm-hmm. And he sits down and I look at Roseanne and I go, it's dialogue from Winds of Pensacola. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, he doesn't know anything. But they ignore me. Oh, God. Now, we go, uh, did we go to dinner first? Might have gone to dinner where Emerald cooked for us and I didn't know what it was. And right. I say to James Brolin, what is this? He goes, pussy. <laughs> and striking everything is pussy. And let me tell you, lovely, charming woman. So we go into the French Quarter with Roseanne and her, mm-hmm. and we get to the gay section, and she goes, can't go in there. Roseanne goes, me either. I go, let me explain something about you two. The, mm-hmm. the, the gay guys and the drag queens are going to go, look at these two bitches thinking they're Barbara and Roseanne. <laughs> fucking walking. Right. And we had a great time. The uh, sheriff down there wanted to know if we wanted to. Roseanne, we were all in the limo. Roseanne says, you know, I have gas. And uh, earlier, Barbara had said, you know, we were going to go shoot machine guns and shoot alligators with the sheriff. It is the South. And uh, she goes, I don't like loud noises. So we're in the limo. And uh, Roseanne goes, I'm gassy. I go, hold it. Barbara doesn't like loud noises. (laughs) (laughs) The first time I meet her. We had Brolin's on the show, and I see she's up in the booth with executives. And I open the door, and I go, Babs, what's wrong with my lights? And she goes, <laughs> too. And the lighting guy goes, what? I go, in your Barbara Streisand, I'll listen to you. <laughs> and I saw her notes in his script and adjusted them. But they come down one morning for breakfast, and I go, where's Babs? He mm. goes, she's broken down. She, I go, you know what? Fuck your girl. And I go to the house and he goes, don't do it, Alan. And she answers the phone. I go, Babs, I need coffee, baby. Put a Band-Aid on for now. And she just <laughs> comes downstairs. So about a year or so goes by. And a friend of mine writes Broadway musicals. And he was looking to raise money. And it's a big thing for money people at someone's home. Seats like 100. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing the lead uh, just for this. Because I sound like the guy it's about. And there's a chorus of great singers behind me. But Barbara walks in the door and I go, hi, Babs. She goes, what are you doing here? I go, I'm here to raise money. Oh, you're putting money in? I go, no, I'm the star of this show. She (laughs) goes, you know what? I had it with you. You just say shit. So she sits down. The show starts. I open my mouth. Literally, she falls onto the floor. (laughs) I finished that song. She can't look me in the face. She's crying. Wow. So afterwards, and my wife filmed it somewhere. I have it. Afterwards, I go over to her, and I push my way into the group, and I go, listen, Barbara, I have to do it with you in the booth. She goes, what? I go, I'm sure you're going to ask me to do a duet with you, right? (laughs) I go, I hear some people do it, and then you do it. I want to be in the same booth with you. And Mm -hmm. Brawling goes, you know, it's not a bad idea. She goes, he's out of his mind. (laughs) And then I called my mother. I sang for Barbara Streisand. And she said, why would you do that to that woman? 
<laughs> oh man, that's fucking great, dude. Well, you got to come on again because uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed this. Remind me, and I'll tell you about Clinton and Roseanne next time. Clinton and Roseanne next? You're yeah. me with that kind of a fucking cliffhanger? All right. I'm bringing you to the president of the United States. That's how I roll. Can't you see the hat? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm bringing you back on for a round two, dude. We got to do it. This is a blast. You got it. Thank Most you guys so, Thank much, you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm going to put on my glasses and figure out how to lose you. <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> Take care, man. Have a good oh, night. that was a great show, dude. He was phenomenal. Great job, man. That was that was a really good show. Dystopia tonight.